Well, hello, New Life Manitou. Hi. I'm so glad to see all of you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes. Yes. So it is the first week after Easter. It is the beginning of what the church calls Eastertide because one day won't do to celebrate that death has died. So the church does it in seven weeks, the 49 days after Easter. And then uh, today is also Baptism Sunday. It's the, but, and yes, yes. And so the end of the service will be going out um, and finishing outside, um, celebrating people walking through the waters of baptism. And on top of all that, today we're starting the uh, final leg of our three-part series, Who is God? You see, Christians believe that uh, the mystery, the great mystery that we casually refer to as God most of the time, um, is an eternal exchange of love, is what Christians believe, a, a permanent plurality Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, like a, a divine dance between all of these where the only move that you need to learn is to give all of your goodness to another. <laughs> this is what the Trinity is always doing. And so, in our final leg of um, this series, we are going to be meditating on what it means that God is Spirit, what well, means that God is spirit. And so I invite you to stand right now, um, if you're able, and um, we're going to hear the scripture read. Um, uh, today I want to explore how one of our greatest frustrations in life is actually really, really good news. So that's what we're going to be aiming for to help us get there. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And now we're fast-forwarding just a little bit. It's the same movie. We're just like a couple of scenes down the road. We're still in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we ask right now uh, that you would come and speak. That's what we need. We don't uh, need anything else. We'll be okay if you speak. And if uh, we have not heard you speak, then this, um, we will be saddened. And so, um, we invite you with as much faith as we have or as little faith, you know, we've got, uh, we say, come and speak because your children are listening. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. You guys can be seated. 
this is a familiar story in the church. It is the moment when grown-up Jesus appears on the scene and he begins like his public activity. He starts doing stuff, you know. John the baptizer and uh, uh, baptize is just the Greek word for dunk, like you baptize your chips into the salsa. It really is that. Like that's the way it gets used at one point in Luke, uh, dipping in the, bre- the bread in the bowl. Um, John the Dunker is at the Jordan River around, it's about 20 miles east of Jerusalem and he's dunking hundreds and hundreds of Jewish people under the Jordan River's waters. And this would be like he- us hearing on the news later today that there were uh, hundreds of people gathering uh, near Boston Harbor and and throwing truckloads of tea into the water. It would be like, whoa, wait a sec, that's a weird thing to do, number one. Um, But number two, like, that's a really symbolic thing to do. Like, that's, you're going back to a place where the Boston tea party is what it's called. I guess it's a party because you're, it's like throwing somebody in a pool, I guess. You know, anytime you're throwing something in water, I guess it qualifies as a party. But uh, it's almost, it looks like they're going to restart the country if we heard that on the news later today. They're passing through the Jordan River. That, after all, is like the pen, one of a, it's a pinnacle moment at Israel's story. It's before invading armies, before the whole thing fell apart, before nations were telling, before prophets were telling the nation to repent, before you had corrupt kings on the scene, before any of that in Israel's story. It's just a rescued people. Glad that, that their families are out of Egypt and they're going to be God's people. And um, so in the early decades of the first century, this is history, by the way, we're not in Bible land, in the first, in, uh, documented outside of the Bible, in the first decades of the, uh, the first century, a renewal movement of Jewish people was going back to the Jordan River and saying like, we want to restart, we want to reboot. <laughs> we're like confessing that our lives are a mess. We're confessing that the nation is a, is a mess and we want to be God's people brand new. And John is dunking them in and they're coming out of the Jordan and they've been washed as well. They've been cleansed. They pass through the waters of chaos, the waters of death, and they are like Israel before them. They got a fresh new start ahead of them. It is into this moment, it is into this moment, this movement that walks Emmanuel, God with us, is what Matthew tells us at the beginning of his story. God with us sees all of these people at the water's edge. And he slips off his sandals and he wades into the water and he joins the company of repenting sinners. John the Dunker feels the same thing that we do at this moment. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Like, Emmanuel, God doesn't need to repent. What are you... What are you doing down here in the waters? Like, uh, Jesus, you don't need to do this. Like, you you shouldn't be doing this. You've got nothing to repent from. But Jesus insists. 
insists. He says, this is the way that we will fulfill all righteousness. That you could translate that another way. You could say, like, it's the way we're going to fill up everything being made right, if you want to Think of it like righteousness is one of those words that just like white noise or something. Everything's going to be made right somehow through this. It really is the right thing to do, says Jesus. And so last week, Good Friday, we remembered that God joins us in our death and then he resurrects. But today, we want us to see that God actually joins us not just in our death, he joins us in our repentance, Which is like, that's the story being told here. That's the import, the significance of us. Jesus joins us in our baptism. In our, not because he needs washing, not because he needs the reboot, the restart, but because we do. But because we do. And God goes wherever we go. It's the kind of God he is. Yes, it's tremendous news on Good Friday that, Jesus, that God joins us in death. But good grief, the news just keeps getting better. God joins us in our repentance and even our turning to him. We, we should say it this way. God with us joins us in our repentance. You need to repent. I'm there. I'm there. Yeah, of course. Repent is just one of those words. It's just a word that means change is literally all it means. Change your direction in the Hebrew. Change your thinking in the Greek. Change your life. Um, But somewhere along the way, and we need to address this this morning, somewhere along the way, repent became like a bad word. Many of us have heard someone, I'm, I'm being for real here, we've heard people, like a pastor, somebody with a bullhorn on a street corner somewhere, we've heard somebody use the word repent, and we have understood the message to be something like, you need to repent or else. (laughs) I'm not making this up, right? You need to repent or else, and you can fill in the blanks with however that, you know, there are lots of versions of it, but they all boil down, I think, to this. You need to repent or else God won't love you. That's like the somewhere like, I mean, and I get that the conversation could be nuanced or whatever, but at the heart of it, it's, you're not going to be experiencing. I'm not going to be, God is not going to be loving you. Can I tell you right now from the depths of my soul, and with the breadth of scripture and the Christian tradition marshaled behind me, that that is a lie from hell. It's a lie from hell. God already loves you. And God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God can't stop, won't stop loving you. I know that made you feel uncomfortable when I say can't stop loving you. But like he, to stop loving any of us, even the worst of us, would be to deny God's own very nature is what it would be. It would be like describing a water that has stopped being wet. Is what Water is wet. That's just what it is. God is love. That's 
what God does, that because that's who God is, endless, eternal, dancing love. I pray with my girls every single night that I'm putting, we take turns putting each of them to bed, and I, we end our prayer something like this. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We, I thank you that you always, always, always love us. That's like the ratio, <laughs> you know what I, We love you, but my God, I thank you that you always, always, always love us. I want them to grow up knowing that God goes wherever we go. And God loves us wherever we are at. And yes, there are plenty of things to repent of. And yes, they need to change. And yes, I need to change. A lot. There's a lot of repentance to go around that needs to, there are lots of deaths that we need to die so that life can flourish. If you get, but none of that repentance makes God love us at all. God is actually the one like pulling us into change. And he's behind us, pushing us into change. He's pulling us out of death, setting our, our feet on like solid ground of life, not life not, that's going to fall apart. Real, he's, God is not just like the finish line that we're headed to. God's like also the gas in the tank. And, and frequently we're asking Jesus to take the wheel too, you know? So it's like somewhere along the way, like we're, hear me, we see all of this in Jesus's baptism. In the fact that Jesus even got baptized in the first place. God becomes human and joins us in the waters of repentance. That's how much God is with us. This is the moment that we start to realize um, that Jesus is sharing everything with us. God climbs into a watery grave with us so that we can climb out of the grave with him and by his power. By, by going into the water, Jesus is saying, I am your brother and we are in this together. Everything that I've got is actually yours now. In fact, that's what we need to say right now. Everything true about Jesus is actually true about us. Paul puts it this way in Galatians 4. He says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. That's boys and girls are getting adopted into Jesus, into the son, the sonship of like, because you are his son, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, plural, the, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. We need to say this morning, and I, I hope we can hear this, that what is true about Jesus by nature is true about you by grace. What's true about Jesus by nature is actually true about you. 
you by grace. And I need to name something right here because this is not just some sort of like empty legal fiction. Like we're just gonna play pretend. Uh, Sometimes you, uh, well-meaning pastors, I've heard this, even recently, um, pastors will sometimes say that when the father sees us, he doesn't see any of your failures, Brett, any of your rebelliousness, any of your brokenness. When the father looks at you, Brett, he doesn't see any of your sin. The father only sees Jesus, we, perhaps you've heard this. Am I the only one who finds this actually like more discouraging than encouraging? Like, can I just name that for a second? Like, like heaven is some sort of endless Halloween costume party, you know? It's an eternal comic con with, with zero diversity in the costume that's being worn. There's only a single costume allowed in heaven. Like, you came as Jesus too? <sighs> Jesus costume sure is popular up here, right? (laughs) I I don't actually find anything comforting about this at all. Like, don't worry, Brett, don't worry. I know you're sinful, but this Jesus costume is gonna be perfect. Now, the father will only see, well, hang on, on just a second. Okay, you got a little bit of Brett showing there. Um, And uh, the, the father is only going to see Jesus. He'll never know that it was you. But that's what I want. I don't want God to see Jesus. I know Jesus is okay. He's Jesus. I I want God to see me. Like, it's me that's broken. When people say the Father only sees Jesus, what I actually hear is that the Father will never see you. That doesn't sound like good news. That doesn't sound like gospel to me. And the good news is that's not the gospel. That's not what is true about Jesus by nature is true about you by grace. You, not just Jesus. You are my child. You are my daughter whom I love. You are my son. In you, I am well pleased. I'm proud of you. You are safe in my hands. You are strong for the path ahead. You matter so much. You are invited to the party and please come as yourself. Come come as yourself. I want you there because I hope you'll believe it. God is saying to us, I'm making you alive. I'm making you more loving and generous and courageous and joyful and self-controlled and patient and loyal and sacrificing and selfless. I'm, I'm making you more like Jesus. And that actually means that I'm making you more like you, like, like your true self. I, It's not just Jesus that I'm crazy about, guys, is what the Father is saying to us. I'm crazy about you in the exact same way that I'm crazy about Jesus. Yes, I love Jesus, but not just Jesus. I love you too. 
And it's actually God's love for us that's actually the source of our biggest frustration right here. This is actually one of the greatest frustrations in our lives is that God loves us and not just Jesus because our greatest frustration, I think someone can dispute, come find me afterwards if you disagree with this. But I think for most of us, one of our greatest frustrations is that we look around the world and we cannot sense God as much as we would like to. Am I wrong there? Like, like I cannot count the number of times that I've looked around and wished like that the presence of God was more, more, (laughs) more obvious. You, You know what I mean? Like even if you don't know that it's God that you're aching for, like we often look around this world and we're like, man, I wish there was more love, joy, generosity, rest, peace, truth, beauty, kindness, justice. What we're longing for is more God. <laughs> That's what we're longing for. It's, it's like I've got this thing and like you've got this thing deep within us that's crying out for more life, more God. And this, this is what's been helping me with that ache within me. I've been practicing in these moments of looking around the world and saying, man, I wish there was more God around me. I've been trying to recognize that my ache for more God actually is God. Your ache for God is the presence of God. That's a very comforting thought. If you like the thing crying out in us, Abba, Father. It's like Papa, Abba, Abba, be closer, be more. It's God within us calling out. I get it. It's frustrating. I get it. Like that's God. Yeah, it's gentle and humble and quiet. It's the presence of the Spirit. And that's really comforting because I know that my ache is real. I don't know God is real all of the time. I'm more certain about Jesus of Nazareth than I am anything else in my life. But even that I don't know is always there, God. But I know my ache is there all the time. I'm aching for more God. And Paul is very comforting. That is God, like that is a very comforting thought because I am painfully aware a lot of times of what feels like God's absence. But my, my, my heart will cry out, God, where are you? But if the cry of Abba is from the spirit, then what feels like the absence of God is actually the presence of God. I'm going to say that again because I know this is trippy like, and I'm, I'm afraid it might not be landing. In your heart, you are longing for God and it feels like an absence, like you're longing for more. Paul says that the cry deep in our heart, crying out for this is the presence of God. It's something like, it, it doesn't, it's not pushy. It's not overpowering. I get that. But like it, it feels like something that we could ignore or overlook or misunderstand or even rage against. 
that's because we can. We can. Uh, it's just so quiet and so gentle and so unimposing and so unimpressive, like God rides in on a donkey. And I want a war horse. Like, that's the frustration of every generation of disciples. It's, I want God coming in conquering, and he's just quiet. Like, I would love, can I just speak real for just a second? I would love to just roll in the heavenly tanks and just carpet bomb the whole thing with whatever kind of heavenly pixie does, whatever. And just, do you just wish that God would just take away our freedom? You know, just take away our freedom. Like, it doesn't seem quite worth it. Whatever's going on in the world, like, I mean, just hit the big red button, abort every single choice ever, and just make everything good, right? This is, I'm not wrong that this is what we feel a lot of times. Like, let your kingdom come, your will be done, like, right now, and push us out of the way, push me out of the way, I'm okay with that, and make the world good, that's our giant frustration. Sometimes I'll hear the question, like, if God can do anything, if he can do anything, why doesn't he just, like, do the Thanos snap? Why doesn't he just snap those giant heavenly fingers and move this thing on to the finished final product? Right? The thing is, God is not making products. God is making children. Children take time. A robot can be made quickly. Uh, so Elon Musk tells me. Elon, we're on a first name base. A Lego set can be made quickly. A Hot Pocket can be made quickly. Do they, are Hot Pockets still a thing? Does anyone know? Anyone had a Hot Pocket? Yeah, Danae! They're a thing. Uh, but, but as the parent, as a parent of a five-year-old and a six-year-old, let me tell you, children take time. Like the, the great theologian George MacDonald once said on exactly this topic, he said, all things are possible with God, but all things are not easy. It's possible for God to create beings that are not God, but choose God. Beings that are not in themselves the true and the good and the beautiful, but they learn to choose the good, the true, and the beautiful. It's possible to do that. And evidently, we are living in exactly what that looks like, what the process looks like. It's not easy. This is the path. There's no magic snap of the fingers that, like, we wish we could say, Jesus, take the wheel and never give it back. Jesus, keep the wheel. Somebody make the, write that song. I don't care if it takes hot wiring the car, man. It's like, if you got to do what, whatever you got to do, but to our continual surprise, God refuses to hotwire the human soul. Jesus just keeps handing back the wheel to us in the same way that I hand... Uh, back the toothbrush to my girls in our house. We brush our teeth. Um, we're the Davises. We do unique things. <laughs> Thank you very much. You should try it sometime. We, with young elementary school kids, let me tell you, brushing teeth a lot of times is like better if I do it for you. 
You know what I mean? Like, I, like it will actually last the two minutes that it's supposed to and I will actually get all of the teeth and we'll get all of the sides of the teeth and then there's no toothpaste slop all over the counter and how to get on the ceiling, you know, what's happening? But, and we, but we all know what's not happening when I brush the teeth for them. They're not learning to brush. So every once in a while, I grab the br- Every once in a while, I do. I grab the brush and I do it for them. But as much as I can, I let them. They'll often say, Papa, take the brush. And I'll hand it right back to them. You've got to learn to do this. And I can't micromanage it. Otherwise, you'll never learn. And my goodness, you're a Davis. You're going to learn to brush your teeth. You're going to be a toothbrusher. It just takes time. Going back to the car for just a moment, God, he won't hotwire the car. Jesus keeps handing back the wheel to us and the spirit, can I just say the spirit refuses to be Siri for us and navigate GPS turn-by-turn instructions for our life. I really wish some people talk about it like this is what they've got, a hotline to God where they're just like every little moment they're getting steered GPS. Okay, you are at your location. The sp- like the spirit does nudge me. I feel like maybe it's something inside me every once in a while. Like, But... If I'm supposed to be hearing turn-by-turn instructions, like I keep asking for them, but it's like there's a bug in the software somewhere. It's just not working. I have never, maybe some of you need to hear a pastor say, I've never heard an audible voice from God. Never heard that. And that really frustrates me because I would really like to hear it. I don't know what he sounds like. Um, The spirit feels less like um, listening to Siri with our ears, and it feels more like, um, in my experience, it feels more like um, feeling the wind, like sensing a breeze somewhere, somehow, like something inside me that seems to say like, hey, Brett, hey, Brett, pay attention right now. This is, a, this is an opportunity to love, to love, to go. Now, I'm not going to do it for you. No, 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 you're, you're going to grow up. You're, you're going to do it. You're, gonna, you're even going to make the decision to do it. Like, the lack of turn-by-turn instructions, it's not a bug. It's a feature. <laughs> like, if we're going to grow up to become what God says we are, children, it's not just Jesus who learns obedience by what he suffered. It's us too. It's not just Jesus that is going to embody the love of the Father. We will too. We're going to choose to do it. It's not just Jesus who becomes perfectly free and endlessly alive. We will too. And as we enter into this final stretch of sermons, maybe we should just start with this working definition of the Spirit. The Spirit is God's invisible, immediate, Presence growing us up after Jesus. He's invisible. You can't see him. Get that. That's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> like it's impossible to learn anything if you're being micromanaged. It is invisible, immediate, 
like always with us, like the way that water is always with a fish, immediate and growing us up. It takes time. It takes time to grow up. We grow up after Jesus. Like that's the direction the breeze is always blowing. It's always blowing in a Jesusly direction. North by North Jesus is the way it's blowing. You know, if, if the spirit is blowing away from Jesus, it's not the spirit. Um, say, it's the spirit saying, Brett, I am patient with you. I have joined you in your brokenness and I am joining you in your repentance too. I'm always with you in your darkness, in your pain, in your confusion and doubt, in your where are you, my God, my God, even in your sin, in your sickness, even in your death, God says, I am there. And so friends, as we begin this series on the Spirit, and as we watch the waters of baptism, realize that this is a God who is with us and for us. Keep looking at Jesus. That's the way it's blowing. Um, Keep watching for the opportunities where you feel like, ah, I don't even sense the wind blowing right now. I don't sense God at all because that moment actually is a moment. The moment when the air feels still, that's probably a moment where God is growing you up to make you the child you were always made to be. And so Jesus, we are grateful that you are in the waters of baptism with us, that the spirit alights on us with you. You share that with us and you say that we are your brothers and your sisters. Everything you have, we have. We're grateful, we're overwhelmed. So often we feel like, uh, (laughs) we feel like the hiddenness, the hiddenness of God is just, it can feel crushing sometimes. We ask that you would grow us up. Grow us up after you. Make us like you in the ways that you could never do by micromanaging our lives. For my brothers and sisters who are in tremendous pain this morning, um, who feel like, oh my goodness, like I just wish God would roll in the tanks and, and override this entire thing. I ask Spirit be present in their lives. Hold their hands. Make them aware of your presence in a way that you never have before and form them into the image of Jesus through it. We ask and we pray these things in his holy name. Amen and amen.